welcome to another message presented by the ministry of Christian Faith Fellowship. We are fulfilling the call of God on this ministry to preach the Word of God without compromise, raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that we have to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Matthew 25, and we're going to go start at verses 1. Before we read these scriptures, I'm going to basically talk about foolishness tonight. And this was uh, something I've been kind of studying for a little while, but it's, it's a lot of stuff. It's almost like I um, barely touched it. So there's so much more to study on besides what I'm going to give you tonight. So I encourage you to do that because I think this is a strong thing we need to keep in front of us in these last days because foolishness is easy to get into right now and it's everywhere and it's in every everywhere you go so there's three types of people basically if you didn't know in the world and hopefully we're all one one of the same but there's natural people those are the unsaved those are the people we're trying to shine our light to those are the people we're trying to encourage to get no compel to get to church right to get to get right with god basically and they're the people who are perishing because they have a lack of knowledge that's why all we got to do is share with them god's got to do the rest we're just got to be obedient to just be light and share the gospel with them and then they're spiritual and hopefully that's all of us which i believe it is i don't think anybody unspiritual will be here this late at night on wednesday because it's the middle of the week right the, the spiritual are those who are longing to be more obedient every single day. And yes, we mess up. And yes, we open our mouth sometimes when we shouldn't. And yes, we um, get distracted. But we're always longing. It's a heart thing, right? It's not an outward. You can't look at me and judge my life at all because it's the heart that God looks at, right? And I, I can't do the same with you. So the last group of people are the carnal. And those are the that's the ones we want to avoid. That's what we're going to dig into tonight is how, who are those carnal? What, what does that carnal look, look like? And those are the people who are, who are born again, but they're disobedient. They are the ones who have created their own God. They're deceived or they're just <clears throat> doing whatever their flesh wants to do, basically. They're, they're, having, they're not dealing with their self at all. So we're going to look at the wise and the foolish version. So if you didn't know, we're going to look at the spiritual, which are the wise, and the foolish, which are the carnal, okay? So let's go to Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I'm just going to read through it, and then we'll kind of dig into it after that. <clears throat> then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and go buy it for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in to meet him and to the wedding, and the door was shut. 
Afterward, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. We all know this. I mean, I've seen pictures of this since I was a little kid. But do we really know it? Do we really know it? So I'm going to read to you one of my favorite prophecies. You probably don't even need this. Yeah. I'll do it anyway. Okay, one of my favorite prophecies is the end times prophecy. Because, hey, what are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to Jesus' return, right? What are we doing here if we're not looking forward to that, guys? So this is one of my favorite prophecies. It keeps me going every day, right? Looking to the word and reminding myself. So I, it says there must be a special preparation. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, so this lines up almost eye to eye, okay? Or eye to eye, whatever. For the return of Christ, and at least half of all believers will be totally unprepared, which we just saw. We have to see that those days have come before the Lord can come. We have to see half of, half. And we're not talking about half of the world. We're, we're talking about half of believers. People who have already signed up to the army, and they are AWOL or thinking about it, I don't know, or they're, or they're playing around not doing what their responsibilities are. There has to be a falling away. I want to speak to you very exactly. All the people which are pressing into and getting ready for this glorious attained place where they shall not be found naked, where they shall be blameless, where they shall be immovable, where they shall be purified by the power of the word of God, hallelujah, and have within them a conscience of the very presence, oh, are we just not just learning about that? Being aware of the presence of God within you. Changing their very nature. That's what changes your nature. Not forcing yourself to make your flesh do something it is not probably going to listen to you anyways. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the God that's in you that's going to change that. And preparing them for a greater thing and causing them to be ready for translation. Here's your key to be ready for the wedding feast, for when the bridegroom comes, for when Jesus comes. We're talking about the rapture, if you haven't noticed yet. Are y'all excited? Hopefully you do rapture practice, right? No, I don't actually do that, but it would be a good idea for exercise. Okay, so maybe, I don't know. Okay, no, I exercise. Okay, read, okay, so. Verse 1. We're going to go back to verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to the ten virgins who took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. So let's just go over a couple of terms here so we're all on the same page. A virgin is a born-again believer who professes, they profess that they are Christian, that they agree with the word of God, that they agree with Christian doctrine, that they agree with the character of God. They were all ten born again. They were all saved. They all received salvation. The bridegroom is Jesus. Jesus is coming back. The lamps or the vessels that they, were, they took with them, that's your heart, right? And in your heart is where you carry the oil, your salvation, okay? They went out, is what it says, to meet the bridegroom. So them going out is similar to us carrying out life on earth, Okay, that's what we're doing every day. Every day that you wake up, you're carrying out life on earth. You're going out. Verse two. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Again, that's half. Matthew 
13 talks about a dragnet. And I didn't, I don't really know, I didn't really know what a dragnet was until we went to the coast <laughs> this last, whatever we went, May. And uh, Justin pulled all this whatever net thing in. And we started looking in it and wow, there was everything in there. I was like, oh my, there's like a jellyfish. There was like a blowfish. There was this half fish. There was this flat fish. It was crabs. I mean, I, I wouldn't even probably be able to say everything that was in there. It was this overflow of different. And that's who God allowed to be in his family. It was only supposed to be the children of Israel. But they rejected him. Do you? That's what the half of these people are doing. They're rejecting God. So his own people rejected him. And so he allowed us and anyone in the world to now be a part of his family. So he, he pulled a dragnet. So basically, that's who's invited. That's who's invited to the wedding. But only half, only half obeyed, only half listened. So we can choose to be vessels of honor, which are people who are aware of God's presence, or we can choose to be vessels of dishonor. And, and that's gonna be the half and half. We've got five virgins who are honorable and the other five who are dishonoring their vessel, okay? And how are they doing that? It, 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 you're doing that by the things you watch. You're doing that by the things you listen to, that you think, it's not a really a big deal. I, did, I watched that all when I was a kid, but it is a big deal. And God has, he has grace for things that you had to watch when you were a kid. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I, yeah, you don't even wanna think about those things. But, but now you know. So now you, you have to be careful what you're putting in because you're responsible for that. Okay, verse three. Those who were foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them. This is important because you have to work out your own salvation first of all. So please, just take this message for yourself. Don't take it for your friend or you or your spouse or your cousin or your aunt, your uncle or whatever, your neighbor. Work out your own salvation. You are supposed to have a lamp that has oil. You are supposed to be burning and shining for Jesus. That's your goal. That's your job. And so it's your job to do God's will. It's your job to stay on God's path. If you veer off the path, you have a Holy Spirit, and he's nudging you the whole time. He's literally telling you, turn around, get off of that. This isn't good for you, and you're choosing to be a vessel of honor and listen, or you're choosing to be a vessel of dishonor and say, that's not that big of a deal. I'll be fine. I'll get back on the path as soon as I get done with this. But we can't do that. That's not God's way. That's our way, right? So oil, the oil that's in your heart, that's your faith, okay? And your faith only works one way. Does anybody know what it is? Faith works through? That's right. Faith works through love. And then the foolish, the foolish. Those who make a God to fit themselves, right? They think they're okay with God. But you know, they're deceived. So sometimes you can hear a testimony or, I don't know, read a book maybe or listen to a CD and you're like, 
That's exactly what I thought. I knew that so-and-so wasn't right about that. I know the Bible says this, but really, I experienced that same thing that that person did, and I know that has to be true, but that's not true. Let every man be found to be a liar because God cannot lie. Do you, let's just separate that right now. Your God cannot lie. If it's in this word and it's clear, you, are you really going to take your neighbor's word for it? They're, they may not be lying to you on purpose, because I don't think most, unless they're trying to get away with something or get out of something, people aren't, especially religious people, not like religious, like the, you know, the religious leaders, like people who are trying to serve God. They're not lying to you on purpose. They're lying to you because they're deceived. Please separate that. God cannot lie. If it's in here, please take him for what it is. Okay, verse four, moving on. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So now we got the wise. We've got the true worshipers. Amen. We've got Christians who are not just professing, but they're believing it, they're speaking it, and they're actually doing it, which is pretty rare. Pretty rare these days, right? You know, people watch you. They watch everything you do. The wise are those who are truly professing, and they're walking out purity and holiness and truth the word. They're walking the walk. They're not just talking the talk. Surely you've heard actions speak louder than words, right? And they do. That is true. That is true. And that's what the wise did. They walked the walk. Okay, verse five. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. The word tells us in First Thessalonians not to sleep or slumber, which means don't be spiritually lazy, right? Don't wait to get ready at the last minute. I know none of you do that at home, right? None of you wait to the last minute. And your mom's like, or your wife or your husband's like, really? We have five minutes to get in the car and you're just now going to get ready? How are you going to get it? Don't wait to the last minute. If you want to do that at home, that's your business. But do not wait to the last minute, to get right with Jesus. Don't even wait till the last minute to get something out of your life that you need to get out of it right now. Do not wait. Do it now. Do you believe Jesus is coming back? I do. I really honestly do and I'm excited and I want everybody to go. How fun will it be to look across and be like, Cassie, we're all like in the air. It's gonna be so good. And so we don't wanna wait because we cannot reason in our mind this is not that big of a deal, Brandy. So don't worry about that right now because that, that's not going to keep you from the rapture. So, you know, you'll be fine. That's not, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. You've got to not wait till the last minute. And why would you want to wait? Because everything, honestly, if you look at it the right way, everything that he's telling us to do is actually for your benefit. In some way, it helps your life or it benefits you. So don't wait because you just get even better. If he doesn't come today, at least you get a better life for that day, right? Don't wait. It's not worth it. Okay, verse 6. And at midnight, there was a cry heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Woo! We're going to hear a trumpet. We're not going to hear a voice, but, we're, but we are going to hear it. And that cry 
we will know the season, right? So we don't know the time, of course, the day, the hour, but we know the season. And hey, if you can't look around and think that we're either the season or really, really close to the season, I don't think you're looking. I don't think you're looking around. You must be living in a bubble <laughs> because it's pretty, it's the season. I'll just say that. Okay, first, uh, actually, before I read the next verse, I want to read to you the second part of that prophecy. I can find it. I don't know where I put it. How do you lose something on a pulpit? Like typing. That's embarrassing. Oh, here it is. Just edit that out, please, when you put that on something. Okay. This is the day of purifying. This is what we just talked about. This is what we're supposed to be doing. It's not like a one-time thing. It's not like I did that last week, and now this week I'm going to work on this. It, this is a constant, because every time you step out this door, man, stuff gets on you. And it doesn't matter where you go. You can go to Taco Casa. You can go to, please don't go to Walmart, actually. Go to uh, Winco, way better. Uh, you go to, you know, you go to a family event. Oh, my goodness. You can go to your own family event, and stuff gets on you. And you got to get it off. So this is a day of purifying. This is a day of holiness. This is a day to be separated from the world. That's what holiness means, set apart. We don't want to look like them. This is the day of separation. This is the day of waking. Oh God, let us wake today. Let the inner spirit wake into our consciousness that God is calling us. That's being aware of his presence right there. There are in the world two classes of believers. There's the believers which are disobedient, or I ought to say, there are children which are saved by the power of God, which are disobedient children. And there are children which are just the same saved by the power of God, who are all the time longing to be more obedient. You know, when I tell my kids, you did a good job, they all beam. It doesn't even matter how little that is or big. My kids are not trying to disobey me. They really are not. <laughs> Although sometimes my brain tells me they are. But I know they're not. They, they want to be obedient. But it's difficult sometimes when you don't have a fully, you know, your brain's not fully uh, developed. So it's, you know, I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm saying it's not fully developed till like 21, okay? That's true. I read that. I mean, I, don't, I guess it's true. Okay, I thought so. I thought so. I got confirmation back there. And so they're not trying to be disobedient. But what he's talking about are children who are being disobedient. He's people who are looking at sin and they like it. They don't want to change their life. And so we just don't want to be those. So verse 7. Now we go to there. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. So trimmed. It, it basically means to like make pretty, like it reminds me of Kim when she's in here and she's looking at all the flowers and she's like perfectly putting each one in its place. And I'm like, why can't you just grab the whole bunch and just stuff them in the vase? But she doesn't do that. She, li she, look, she literally like has a place for each one. And if there's a spot that doesn't look right, she will find the perfect thing and she'll place it in there. So she beautifully decorates with these arrangements. And that's what this word trimmed means. It means to beautifully decorate or adorn or to put in order. And so, 
putting in order, putting our life in order, putting our spiritual life in order. Don't stop worrying so much about the natural. Let me tell you, even if you try to put the natural, still doesn't always go the way you wanted it to. However, if you focus on the spiritual, God takes care of the rest. You have a helper. So focus on that spiritual. Get that spiritual in order. Get your spiritual life in order. Make that a priority. You know, pastor, um, maybe I'm grabbing the mic too tight. (laughs) Pastor talked about a wave coming. And the wave is a good thing. It's for the believers, first of all. And it's for those who are being obedient, who are longing to be obedient, more obedient. And that wave is good things. It's like um, miracles, signs and wonders within the church. It's like healings within the church. And that wave got me thinking uh, with, with this. I started thinking about surfers, of course. <laughs> Duh. Okay, so a surfer, I don't know anything about surfing, so I'm just going with this analogy because it sounds really good. I don't know anything about it, so if you have any questions, go to the person who surfs. So, surfing. I do know this about surfers. I do know this. I do know they have to get ready. I do know they have to prepare for a wave. We, we went to Hawaii, oh, and talk about waves. Now, these people, they just come out to the beach like daily, which I know some people are like, nah, to the sand and no to the nasty, sticky salt water. But they are so dedicated. They go out there daily because they don't like get an email that says when the wave's coming. I know, you'd think we'd have that by now if we've been to the moon. Come on, people. But we don't. So they just go out there every day and they take their surfboard, but doesn't start there. First of all, they have to get out of bed. And that takes effort some days. They have to put on clothes for surfing. They have to prepare their surfboard. You have to put like stuff on it, like wax and stuff. And they have to carry that thing, and it's huge. And it doesn't look that big on the movies, but they are big. And they have to drag them to the beach. Then they have to get on in the water where there's sharks and jellyfish and cute sea turtles. But still, the sharks are in there. And they take that time to go out there. And you know what they do? They sit on that board with their feet hanging in the water, and they just wait and they just wait, and they might see a wave come in, and, and they know, I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait. They are waiting for a big wave. That's what we're waiting for, a big wave. But guess what? You'll miss the wave if you're not ready. You could wake up one day and say, eh, I'm not feeling it today, and that surfer can just miss the wave, and then all his friends tell him how awesome that wave was and how they made it all the way through the end of the tunnel before it crashed down. But we'll miss that wave if we're too busy with other things. I feel like I sleep at church sometimes, but it is not a burden to me at all. If I could live here, I would. I love church. Yes, my body doesn't always want to get up and come, but I never leave here, ever, and wish I wouldn't have gone, ever. Never in in the long time that I've been here. So it's not worth it to miss that wave. Don't miss the wave. Don't miss it. 
It's not worth it. There's nothing in this earth. I mean, you can think about your house, your car, I don't know, your hobbies, your retirement. I don't know what all things, but it's not worth it. It's not worth missing the wave. So don't. Don't, let, don't put things above God, church, the Bible, sharing the gospel, anything you can think of, prayer. Put nothing above that. Okay, I don't know where I went on with that. Okay, going back. Get ready. Be ready for that wave, in other words. All right. Trimmed also. Um, to trim your lamp, to be ready, we have to re- learn to repent. <laughs> and I feel like we hear the word a lot, but I'm not sure if people actually do it. Like they think that they repented when they had salvation, and that was like the end. Like you just push the one repent button, and it just carried on forever, but it doesn't work that way. If I yell at my kids, I have to actually repent for that. If I am mad at my husband for something that probably shouldn't be mad at, I still have to repent for that. If I um, have a bad thought, I have to repent for that. Even if it's not mine, I don't want to keep that. I want to repent for it. I want to get it away from me. I want to be as far from evil as possible. That's the reason why we repent. It's not because we're in trouble. It's because we want to be yuck. We want to be away from it. Remember, repent means to turn away from. So if that's sin, I'm not just going to let it hang out with me. You're like, God still loves me, Grayson, so I'm just going to stay over here with this sin. What do you think? Should I stay over here with the sin? No. Repent. God, forgive me. I did not mean to do that. And I don't even know why I said that, Lord. Forgive me. Oh, turning away. No longer have to be attached to that. Don't even have to think about it anymore. Don't you want to be freed from it? Repent. That's, that's what you're doing. You're freeing yourself from something. Don't look at repent as a bad thing. Shame on people. Shame on those pastors for saying we don't have to repent. They're literally putting chains around people. Bondaging them to, those, to that sin. We will not do that. We will not stand for that. Okay. Turn around. Go the other way. Walk with God while you still have the strength to do it. While you still have the opportunity to do it. You see these, these, these wise were getting their, their lamps ready. They were trimming them. They were preparing because they still had time. They could have waited. We could just be looking at 10 that never made it. But they didn't choose to do that. They chose to, to trim their lamps while they still had lamps burning. They chose to trim their lamps while they still could. You know, when I was a kid, I had to ride this big, ugly, yellow thing, the school bus. It was horrible. I hated the school bus, and I still have bad thoughts when, I, when one passes by because they're terrible. Who does that to children? But anyways, that's aside from that. That was not the point. My parents, they had to work. It wasn't their fault. I don't blame y'all. I forgive y'all. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't think of it when I was a kid, you know. But the school bus, it was an interesting thing. They knew I needed to go to school because I went to school every day, right? We didn't get sick because our parents, they, 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 you're going to school. Get on, just get ready for school. You're going to school. We don't have time for that. Go to school. So I never missed the bus, not ever. And if you were not out there, where the school bus could see you, do you know what they would do? They would keep driving like they didn't know if you were going to school that day. But they knew I was going to school that day, every day. If you do not get on the wave, you're going to miss it. There's nothing going to stop the wave for you. 
And it's not because you're not special. You're special because you can get on the wave. But God can't stop something that's coming that he has planned. Do you see? He has a plan already ready. Okay, I'm getting off of that. Don't miss the wave. I'm leaving it. Okay, Luke 12, 35. <clears throat> we don't have to go there. I'll just say it. Um, because we're going to go somewhere in a minute. But Luke 12, 35 says that you need to have your, your waist gird, girded. <laughs> you need to have your waist girded. So the ladies and I were talking about this. We were talking about having your waist girded. And it reminded me of when a guy is all like, yeah, you want to go? And they start rolling up their sleeves because they're going to be prepared for action. They want a lot of movement, right? They don't want to be restrained in their shirt. So that's what girded means. It means you are ready for action. There is action coming, and we need to be ready for it. We need to have our lamps burning. So what does that mean for us? It means we need to have our faith put into action now. We can't just stand on faith anymore and say, well, I'm just believing. Well, that's not good enough. I'm glad you're believing, but how about, how about believing and acting on it? Okay, so you've got the believing and you've sort of got the speaking. I don't know if that counts when you just say I'm just believing. Because if you say I'm just believing, that's like saying I'm, all I can do is just pray for her. Do you not know the power of prayer? It's more than just. That, that gives a little bit of um, unbelief there. I don't know your heart. Just saying, those words speak doubt. So, gird your waist and be ready for action. Put your faith in action right now, today. Find something to put your faith in, even if it's tiny, something little, something big, whatever you want to work on, but work on something every day. Believe it. Find a scripture for it, because don't believe it if you can't find a scripture. Don't just believe it because you want to believe it. This is not Disney. You can't just believe it into existence. You can't sing it into existence. That would be awesome, but it's not the way it works. God is, he didn't work that way. This, if it's in here, you can believe it. And if it's in here, you start speaking it. He gave you the words. And if you start speaking it, start acting on it. Practice that daily. That will keep your lamp burning, guys. Okay, the last, oh no, the last part of the prophecy. Here we go. There will be many Christians who believe that they can do whatever they want and that God will look the other way. That's what we just talked about. People are tremendously afraid of this position because they have heard so much on this line. Oh, you know, you're the elect of God. Surely you'll be all right. There have been in England great churches which were laid out upon these things. Hello, have you read the history of England? Why do you think we're here in America? I thank God they're withered. You will find that if you go to England, those strong people who used to hold all those things, they're almost withered out. But why? Because when they went on to say whatever you did, if you were the elect, you were right, they were wrong. Thank goodness. The elect of God are these people. They are those who are pressing forward. Okay? So don't beat yourself up. This is not a beat-up message, I hope. hope this isn't a beat-up message. It's not meant to be. It's meant to press you forward. So if you don't find yourself pushing forward right now, then start tomorrow. It's okay. It's a new day. Every day is a new day. Is that not awesome that literally you can go to bed one way and wake up differently, thank goodness, the next day, and your family says, amen. 
It's amazing what sleep can do and a new day. So be ready for action. Just make sure you're pressing forward. Please don't burden yourself. There is no condemnation in God. If you're feeling condemnation on anything, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. Press forward. Just make sure you're moving forward, not backwards. That's all. Okay, verse 8, going back to it. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. So the lamps were still burning for the wise. Not only were their lamps still burning, but they also had more oil ready to go. They were fully prepared. They were so prepared that they were even prepared for delay. And nobody likes that word. People don't like to wait, right? Nobody likes delay, but maybe it feels like delay to some of us some days. Maybe we're like, Lord, it feels like delay. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. So maybe, the, maybe it feels like delay, but maybe in our brain it's delay, right? God has perfect timing. But it can feel like delay some days. And I, I know especially like for older generations, I, uh, it's really sad to see um, their faith sometimes because um, it's almost like they kind of quit or they are just so tired, right? But we, we can't do that. We can't look at that and say, well, well that's going to be me one day when I get older. No, it can't be us. We, can't, we cannot accept that. We cannot accept that. We just got to be prepared for delay. Because the foolish ones, they, their lamps were burning, but their, lamp, their oil was burning up. Their lamps were about to go out. They did not have the extra oil. So that tells us that at one point, well, they were totally unprepared. So at one point, the wise were out doing something, buying and selling and keeping the oil filled. They were keeping their faith uh, stocked up. They were hearing the word, in other words. That's us. But the foolish were not at one point. They sort of stopped. They stopped hearing. And if you stop hearing, of course you're not going to do because you're not keeping it in front of you, right? So we've got to be the wise. We've got to be the ones who keep that lamp burning. And we've got to be prepared. We've got to keep it. We can't think we had so much Bible reading today that it's going to get me through the week because that does not work that way. We can't also be too busy doing other things for God's house. If the doors are open, I mean, I'm not looking at you and you don't look at me. But the, the doors, when they're open, I'm pretty sure that we're supposed to be here. Now, that's not to shame you. You work out your own salvation. I'm just trying to preach the word right now. You work out your own salvation. I, I condemn no one and I shame no one. But I know that I have to be honest. And if the doors are open, I need to be here. And the reason why is because you might see me and you might not even like me and you may not like my voice or uh, you may not like the way I speak because I don't have the best vocabulary. I'm not super duper smart at all, but I do have God and I am sharing with you the word. And that's why when I preach, I bring the word because I don't want you to hear me. I want you just to hear this. And every time that door is open, pastor is making available the word for you to hear and that hearing is building your faith, and it's putting oil in you, in your, in your lamp. That's all I'm saying, and I'm going to get off of that. Thank, okay, thank you. So those foolish, in other words, while they were busy doing whatever they were doing, they thought that they, I believe they thought they'd have time later. 
I don't think they were like, I don't really care if we miss the wedding feast. Obviously, they did care because they struggled. They ran. They ran to go get more, and then they came back. So they, they wanted to go, but when they were supposed to be preparing, they were doing something else. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. They didn't have time later, and they thought they would. All right, verse 9. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be no, not enough for us and for you, but rather go to, to those who sell and buy it for yourselves. This is so significant, I think, and maybe we skip over it, but you might look at this and think, Well, that's rude. Because, because we're supposed to be like love. That wasn't really love, but it was love. And the honest to goodness truth is when the rapture happens, not only is there no time for you to help anybody, even if you desperately wanted to, but you couldn't help anybody because it's not about a natural thing we can do. It's about the heart. And there's nothing you can do to change anybody's heart. You can't change your children's heart. You can't change your husband's heart. You cannot, you can change your heart. And that's why it says work out your own salvation. And they weren't being rude. There is nothing we can do later, which is why we have to compel now and be prepared ourselves, right? Sheffield was telling me the other day about airplanes and you can, <laughs> whatever, he's using a lot of technology that I don't know. But he said something about the mask. If you don't put your mask on, you have how many seconds? Oh, rough, rough. 15 to 20 seconds. So, so if you are a mom and you're trying to help your kid put theirs on first because you, are, you love your child, you, you only have 15 to 20 seconds. If you struggle with that in any way, then you pass out, then your kid passes out, and you've helped nobody. So in the same sense, if you are trying to work on somebody else's spiritual life, you're actually doing more harm by not working on your own first. And really, actions speak louder than words. Again, work on your own. People will see that. Then they'll want to work on theirs. Okay? Walk out the truth. Shine your light. Continue to live life. Continue to get in the word. Okay, all right, verses 10 through 12. Let's read those together. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. I'm going to read you a couple of verses. You don't have to turn there, but you can write it down if you want. Luke 13, 25. It says, when once the master of the house has risen and shut up the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at that door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and he will say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? How interesting that just the other night we heard somebody is knocking on this door saying, open up to me today, Brandy. I want to spend time with you. I'm knocking. I'm knocking today. And I don't want you to do anything else till you open up the door for me. That is Jesus. He's telling us that. We have every opportunity not to miss the door being open to us. We don't want to be standing outside on the opposite end. Open the door now. Will you be the one knocking on the door? 
I'm, not, I'm asking you to ask yourself that. I have to ask myself that. And it's not just tonight. We have to ask ourselves that tomorrow and next week and in a year from now. And we have to continue to ask ourselves, am I the one knocking on the door? Am I even opening up the door? When you open the door, it's about true relationship. Don't forget, it's not just reading a chapter. It's not just, close my book. I'm done today. I have no idea what I just read, but I'm sure I got, I'm sure I got something out of it because, you know, my spirit probably did. No, it doesn't work that way. It's sit down, take a deep breath, pray, enjoy it. If you don't understand it, get some study tools or read a different chapter. Just move on. But sit and talk with Jesus. Just, that's all he wants, right? True relationship is all. We have the opportunity now. We need to make the most of it while we have time. And make time if you say you don't have time. Just make it. You, you have to sneak away in the bathroom. If you have small children, you sneak away in the bathroom. You lock the door with your Bible. You put them in the playpen or the high chair and strap them in. For older children, you just hide somewhere where they don't think you are. They will walk around the house calling your name forever until you come out. But if they don't find you, you just spend time with the Lord. And then if you have children who are obedient like mine, you can do your Bible anytime and they know not to get in trouble. <laughs> Make time is the point. Make time, find time. Get up five minutes before early, early. Whatever you gotta do, just find time. It will be worth it. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I'm gonna read that one to you too. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done all these wonders in your name? And then I, Jesus, will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. What a waste of time to deceive yourself into thinking that you know Jesus, but he doesn't even know you. What kind of person would serve another person and then they find out one day they don't even know your name? That is a waste of time. Depart from me, that, that would hurt. That hurts just thinking about it. Your God, your creator, depart from me. And those who practice lawlessness, you disregarded the word. You did your own thing. You didn't, you just, you made up an excuse why this doesn't apply to you. You did your own thing. We don't wanna hear that, amen? All right, he who does the will of the Father, he who does the will of the Father. I asked a question over and over to God. I wanted to know, God, what in the world how can somebody serve you? How can somebody serve you for years and be at this altar? Be at this altar. Experience you. See things. Do things. Serve you. But then one day, they don't, they don't believe it anymore? I don't think so. What? Explain this to me. And my answer came when Pastor Barclay came one night, and it always comes. I rarely, rarely go to pastor. But never mind, I'm not going to say why. <laughs> uh, I usually don't have time. That's why. Uh, so 
I rarely go to him, not because I love pastor, not because, it's because most, 100% of the time, pastor gives me the answer and he doesn't even know it. He doesn't even know it. And I always want to go tell him, but then he's probably like, yeah, right. No, I'm just kidding. He really does. But Pastor Barclay answered me that night, and he gave me three words. He said, deal with yourself. And that was like the best revelation ever. Because then I thought, oh, it all came flooding to me. Those people, they, they did fine. They were running their race. They were filling their lamps. They were. They were doing it. They were being wise. But something came in. Something shiny came. Something distracted them. And then all of a sudden, that thing, which is really not what this says, got in. And so they're distracted, and they didn't deal with their self. They allowed their self. The desires of your heart, remember? That's what the devil uses. Your desires, mine. Is that just disgusting? We have desires that God hates. That's why we deal with ourselves because we're not perfected yet. Don't look at people and be disgusted by them. Be disgusted by the devil. He's a loser. He tries to kill us. He tries to steal from us. He tries to, he annoys us, right? I mean, he does do that. He doesn't try to. He's annoying just thinking about him. And so we, we have to deal with ourselves. When we see our eye looking at something that it shouldn't, or we know that could be a problem in my life, we deal with ourselves, And we say, I'm getting as far away from that as possible. I'm not even gonna go to that place. Because if I go to that place, it could cause me to be distracted. And I'm not talking about bad places. I'm talking about the store. I'm talking about a friend's house who, is, who owns a mansion. That can distract you. Anything, a song, a country song, because you used to country line dance. I don't know. I'm just saying something that could grab a hold of you, you will know, and you'll choose to either listen to it or you will just deal with yourself. Choose to deal with yourself. Trust me, deal with yourself. Many plans in a man's heart. It's God's that will stand. Remember that. Make sure you have God's plan. Okay, I'm trying to wrap this up. The unprepared so the unprepared, the, the foolish were unprepared. When Merrick was little, I let him do Taekwondo. <laughs> and so, you know, the coach, if you forgot something, you could not participate. So you have to, the, it's ridiculous all the stuff you have to bring. It's like face guard and mouth guard and pads everywhere, outfit, cup, Socks? No, you didn't have those socks. Stuff like that. It was just this big, giant duffel bag of stuff. And if you were such a good person that you stuffed everything, and you somehow made it there on time, but if you forgot one knee pad, do you know what he said to you? You can't participate. I'm sorry, your son can't participate. He forgot his knee pad. He got the, forgot the knee pad. He's six. I forgot the knee pad. <laughs> now he's being punished because I forgot the knee pad. Okay, fine, whatever. You forget the mouth guard? Oh, you forget the mouth guard. You can't participate. Whatever. We'll just sit here and watch so we can get better for next time. That was, 
That was the rule. I couldn't change the rule. They definitely didn't care what I thought. And, you know, they didn't really care. I don't even know if he cared. But other kids, I watched all of them. Well, sorry, you can't participate. You forgot this. Oh, okay. Well, some kids were happy about that. They're like, yes. And their mom's like, seriously? (laughs) But, you know, that's the way it is. If you are not prepared, you won't participate in the rapture. And it's not because God's mad or mean. The coach wasn't mean. I mean, seriously, it's for protection. He doesn't want his teeth knocked out or his knee bruised. I don't know. Whatever happens to your knee. He doesn't want any of that. It's for protection. And God, it's for protection. We're doing this for protection. So we've got to be prepared because we can't participate. It's not a matter of, I'm going to make you sit and time out. God doesn't do that. God is love. It's a matter of, you can't participate. I'm sorry. You'll just have to sit and watch. And you will be sitting here. And you will watch because every eye will see. But you don't want to be here. You don't want to watch. You want to watch going up. You don't want to watch people going up. You want to go up. Okay? Okay. Got it. Moving on. All right. Watch therefore. Verse 13. Let's go to verse 13. Watch therefore. Last verse. Watch therefore for you do not know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Yeah, therefore, the Son of Man, Jesus, the bridegroom, he's coming, and he's coming like a thief in the night. You know, thieves don't, like, give you, you know, phone call. Hey, I'm going to, could you clear the house out? I'm going to come and steal your house stuff tonight. They don't do that. The devil doesn't do that. But like a thief in the night, Jesus is coming, and we will be found unprepared if we are not doing what the Word of God says. We have to be faithful in our responsibilities here. I have responsibilities, you have responsibilities, we have gifts, we got to be faithful with those gifts, we got to be spiritually prepared, but also we've got to do things in the natural, I'm not telling you not to focus on the natural, not, we, we have to do some things in the natural, but we live in the spirit, right, and, he, and that helps us with the, with the natural. Okay, let's go over to Mark 13 real quick, Mark 13. We'll just look at a couple more. And verse 32. 13:32. We're going to read through 37. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed. Watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to the servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you don't know when the master of that house will be coming, in the evening, at midnight, or at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he will find you sleeping, being spiritually lazy. And what I will say to you, I will say to all, watch. And then go back over to Matthew 24 and go to verse 36. If you can't turn, you just turn while I'm reading. How about that? So we have to watch and pray. <clears throat> the church is the ark of safety. Here we are right here. We're in the ark of safety. If this is really the ark of safety, how many of you think it's good to be in the safe place? How many of you try to find safety when you're in the storm? Um, yeah, exactly. 
Well, some people don't, but most people do. But safety is good. Do you think Noah and his family were out wandering around on the day that the rain started? No, they were in the work of safety. They were in their position. They were ready to go. All the other people were not in the ark of safety. This is our ark of safety, but where is everybody? I'm not looking at you, and I'm not faulting anybody individually, but the body of Christ, they're not running to safety right now. They're running to other things. Okay, Matthew 24, here we go, 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also was the coming of man, and it will be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark. They were still eating and drinking and giving marriage. They were having marriage while he's loading up in the ark of safety. Oh my, that would be a bad wedding day and did not know until the flood came and took them all away and see also will the coming of man of son be and then he goes on to say that there's two men in the field two men at the grinding mill two women one's gone one's there one's gone one's there half mind you does it feel like the days of Noah to you well we know it's not as dark but it's sure feels like it not that we were there but if we could feel how much close? How much more do you want to see? I'd say it's 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 crazy. These are people doing things their own way. They don't need to go to church. They don't need to read their Bible. They don't they don't need God unless they need God. They only need Him when they need Him. Other other times they're good. They can do things on their own and make up just fine. But but on the times that they really need Him, they're going to run to the ark of safety. It's sad because they will be here. It is sad. First uh, Corinthians 15. Let's go there real fast. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. This is to excite you. We will be changed. We will be caught up. And yes, the dead are going to rise first, but we're going right after them. If you want to look up... First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, it just gets better in there. And it talks about Jesus' coming. And it, man, that one will excite you. If you have a down day and you think there's anything in this world that should give you a bad day, you go there and you remind yourself the hope that we look forward to. And it is good. It is exciting when you read that. So all those who are alive, alive and remain is what that's going to talk about in First Thessalonians. So <clears throat> all the virgins were alive. None of them died. None of them, none of them, they were all sleeping at one time, but they all woke to prepare, and they all were ready. The five were ready and the five weren't. So the ones who were alive were all of them, all 10, but then the ones that remained was only the five because the other five had to run off to get more oil. So we can't just be there alive we've got to remain so you what, what it's talking about is you remain in 
your calling. You have a mission. You remain in that mission. You remain in the word. You remain in your church. You remain uh, in prayer. And, and remain, remain in the Holy Spirit prayer. And you will be found because Jesus said, will I even find faith when I come back? And that's what he's saying. Are there going to be, is there going to be anybody there when I come back? Well, in Jesus' name, we will be there. And he will find faith. But, but we can't assume that we'll be there without doing effort. We've got to continuously do effort every day. So I just printed up some scriptures because I can never go through all these. But I'll hit some real quick. But when you leave, if you want these, you can take, uh, it just has a bunch of scriptures on full, foolishness, foolish, fools from the Bible. Because, and I didn't want to focus on foolishness, but I sort of did because it's so filled with foolishness and and, um, Proverbs especially, it talks about what foolishness is. And so you say, well, I don't really care what foolishness is. Well, you better. Because the foolish, we're stuck here. And if you just go and look at those verses and do the opposite of what the foolish did, you are the wise and you won't be here. So I'll just hit a couple. The foolish woman pulls down her house with her hands. The fool says in his heart, there's no God. Evil is a sport to the fool. The fool's way is right in his own eyes. Wisdom is too lofty for the fool. God has made foolish the wisdom of the world. Oh, foolish Galatians. Ooh, he even named them. You do not obey the truth. That's this. God knows our foolishness. Our sins are not hidden from him. Forsake foolishness, he tells us. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. That's why we have to deal with that. That's why they have parents. Heart of a fool proclaims foolishness. The foolish person will no longer be called generous. Ooh, I should have done that for tithes and offering, huh? Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) That would be mean. The cross of the foolishness for those who are perishing. Hey, if the cross is foolishness to you, then you're perishing. You better get it unfoolish to you and start looking at it with wisdom. Fool despise wisdom and instruction. A fool's voice is known by his many words. What, what are you saying out of your mouth every day? Are you talking just to talk? Are you speaking God's word? Are you speaking life? God has no pleasure in fools. You can get all those and more. There, that's not even all of them. There's so much you could go and study about foolishness. It's crazy. So go do that. If any of you lacks wisdom, we should ask God, and he gives to us liberally. So if you feel foolish or if you felt like you need to deal with yourself, hey, easy peasy. Go to God. Ask for wisdom. He gives it to you without reproach. Reproach means to be immature, like, heh, told you you are going to have to do that. You know, nobody wants to hear that. We, obviously, if we're coming to you, we already know we did something wrong, right? God doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, I told you you'd have to come back and do that. He gives to us without reproach. He says, here's your wisdom. He doesn't say, I know you've been very foolish, but here's your wisdom. This ought to fix that. He doesn't say any of that. He just gives the wisdom. All we have to do is ask for it, and he gives it to us. Isn't that good? That's a good God. That's why we praise him. Okay, just write these scriptures down, because I'm going to wrap it up right here. I'm not going to go to any more, but if you want to write down James 3, 13 through 17, talks about the wise and the foolish and it really lines up with the word that we're being taught from the pulpit right now about being aware of his presence and agreeing with him and being dependent on him and Galatians 5 16 tells us to walk in the spirit and we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh we won't be foolish right 
And then the last one, James 5, 7 through 9, talks about being patient and how the farmer is patiently waiting. And we do have to be patient until we see that, that wave coming, right? And we're excited to see that. <clears throat> the Bible says that the seed that was fallen on good ground are those who hear the word with a noble and a good heart, which I believe we all did tonight, and that we will keep it and we will bear it and we will do that with patience. So we will do it with consistency. So we will take the word tonight and we won't let it go to the wayside. We won't let it be stolen from out of our heart and we will go forth and we will be doers of this word and every single one of us and more that we talk to are gonna be caught up on this wave, on the goodness of God, in the rapture, not gonna miss it, we're gonna be prepared. Hey, remind each other to prepare. Don't just worry about, I mean, don't just, you know, don't be like, uh, I saw what you were doing and that's not being prepared. No, go exhort them and say, hey, are you preparing for that? What are you doing to prepare? Excite each other, excite each other. If you were here the other night for that praise and worship, that wasn't like a random thing that God was like, I'm gonna sprinkle some of this on this church today and then I think I'll go to Christian Faith Fellowship on October the 11th and I'll sprinkle some of this. He didn't do that. What you did was you came in here and, and you, you prepared and you dug in, you entered in. Enter into worship. Stop looking at the screen. Those words are just words. Your brain will memorize them eventually and if it doesn't, then just... Make up your own song. Nobody in here cares. Okay, I'm praying. Stand to your feet. We pray you were blessed by the message we were able to share with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to find out more about our ministry, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.